Welcome to another edition of the Grassroots Government Podcast. Again, it's a quarantine edition with all of us at our homes. Carl Wiggers, the co-producer of Twyla and the producer of this podcast, is here with us, as well as Andy Brown, the I just blanked on your title, Andy. National Affairs, I'll start it over again. As well as Andy Brown, the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Joe Mapes doesn't have anything to talk about this week. So he's busy <laughs> uh, lifting weights and pumping iron and uh, showing us his physique on Instagram. See, I, I texted him earlier and I asked him, I said, Joe, is there anything really new coming? He said, nope, not, not really. I mean, I guess really until the state opens back up full blast, it's going to be kind of... Uh, speculation on our part, uh, on his part. So he was kind of like, yeah, there's nothing <laughs> nothing really new to add, and there's plenty to talk about on the national side. What you got, Andy? Well, you know what we have to tell him, that he's not at the table, so he's on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We're going to eat him alive on this one. So but Andy quick. Brown, uh, with all everything going on on the national level, I mean, Right now, as we're recording this, the House is considering the second tranche of uh, PPP, and this is a little bit different. Yep. So we're, uh, you know, they finally have come to the table. They seem to have a deal. Senate's passed uh, another $400 billion plus dollars uh, to help keep funding uh, a bunch of workers in this country. And thankfully, we've gotten some uh, things we were looking for to help agriculture be a little more included, namely the EIDL loan through SBA uh, that they're now eligible for, that they weren't in the last go around, and then more, just more money for the PVP program that's had so much interest and so many applications. Andy, how are you keeping all of these alphabet soup names straight <laughs> during all yeah, of this? I, typically, I would try to uh, say them out for you, but I know a podcast or two ago, I tried EIDL and I no, it's not worth it. Just Ask your banker, your accountant. I'm just telling you what they're voting on. But uh, there's more money coming, so just get ready for alphabet soup. Yeah, I figured you were going to bust into EIEIO at one point, but uh, but you didn't. But it's really important what they're doing and the fact that they're they're passing this. Yeah, so it's uh, it, the money went quicker than anybody could ever believe, and uh, it's it's helping businesses of all shapes and sizes. Unfortunately, American Farm Bureau put out the data that of all the true industries in this country, ag was at the very bottom of applications processed, of uh, loan amount, just a lot of uh, struggle to get these funds really to rural America, to get small uh, local lenders approved as lenders of PPP. Uh, just, just, you know, there was a lot of kinks to work out, but uh, that's why we're, we're excited to see more going to it. So maybe we have more opportunity, but hopefully, you know, hopefully a lot of our growers aren't having to use this. Maybe they're still in business or planting their next crop and they haven't realized their losses yet. And so I've, I have heard from a lot of our growers that say, I, you know, I I would rather somebody else get this. I'm going to hold off. And, uh, but then there's, there's folks that have dozens of H2A employees and aren't able to sell their crawfish or aren't able to sell their strawberries or, uh, sell their chickens or whatever it is that that are seeing losses that may feel differently about it. So it's important, and uh, just like all industries, needs to continue on and and be available to anybody and everybody. And if I remember correctly, H two A employees aren't uh, calculated in this. So if you have H two A employees, 
that you don't qualify for the loan to pay them as well, correct? Yep, that's that's the one thing that still has not been accomplished in this. Uh, so I guess I misspoke there, but oh, I wasn't trying to point out a misspeak. <laughs> no, no, that, we need to clear that up because that's been a huge. Uh, there's there's been rumor that some applications have made it through with that calculated in, but uh, everything we've been told straight from SBA through AFBF is that that's still not uh, an eligible. Uh, loss to put in your loan for these programs. You mentioned some of the uh, farmers that are saying, I'd rather somebody else that needs this money a little bit more than me get it. Are there any, I guess, uh, commodities or uh, groups of farmers that are probably going to, that have a more likelihood to withstand this and, you know, get through this a little bit easier? And on the opposite side, what what commodities are going to be hurt the most from the looks of it from AFBF data? Well, this is just one man's opinion, so I'm going to give that disclaimer. But uh, the the realization is, and this this will be a good segue into the other uh, announcement that we're excited about, the CFAP program, uh, the Food Assistance Program from USDA, that um, a lot of your row crop producers, they're in the midst of planting their crop. So while they would love to have high markets right now and book a, a good price with, uh, you know, their – Uh, grain buyer or their cotton warehouser or whoever they do business with to uh, book their prices. Uh, While they would love to do that and have good prices, uh, they haven't realized their losses yet. And for some, for the one shining star USDA continues to love to use that on all the zooms I've been on with them is that rice prices have actually gone up a little bit, but uh, there's other factors at play there. I heard yesterday that Arkansas may plant a, 10-year high of rice acreage because they've had so much rain that they can't get corn in the ground. So that's, you know, that's farm economics there that are in play. But as far as who's going to be hurt the most, uh, that's that's tough to say. There's been a lot of commodity groups jockeying to make that very point, uh, us included, uh, trying to represent some of those uh, more Louisiana-specific commodities. But we're we're fighting for everybody for our uh, cow-calf guys or stocker cattle folks have seen a huge hit. Um, I know cotton has seen a huge uh, drop in price, uh, but AFBF has put out some really good statistics on who's seeing just prices plummeting. Uh, and it's it's pretty much everybody except for <laughs> rice, but that's subject to change too. So it's tough. But in Louisiana, a lot of your rice guys also raise crawfish. Um, you finally have some good hard data that you can go with to USDA and FSA with. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, what we found out from the, the survey that the LSU Ag Center and Louisiana Farm Bureau did together. Yeah, so just to kind of bring that full circle for any listeners or folks that filled out that survey, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much a straight shooter most of the time or can be a little blunt. And let's just be honest, farmers don't like surveys they hate doing them they get surveyed to death and i understand that and not only are you getting surveyed to death you're having to tell your financial and business you know your your business and that's they get asked to do too much of that so we were very thankful to have the response that we did uh represented over 10 percent of uh, crawfish acres in this state with more than 65 respondees probably well over 70 now and so for any you know back to my uh, research days. I used to do uh, farm research before I got in the 
the lobbying game. Uh, if you get 10% on a survey, you're killing it. So we were super excited and LSU was huge in getting the word out and, and you guys with uh, RPR uh, newsletter ways were also a big help. So it's, uh, it's been a big effort and, but you never know. You never know if that was all worth it, if that's going to pay off. And we still don't know for sure, but I was on a call on Wednesday with uh, Undersecretary Bill Northey and uh, our uh, first vice president, Mr. Jim Harper, was on the call and, and asked him point blank, uh, have you seen our survey? Do you know what's going on with crawfish? And he said yes, that he had personally read it was impressed by it and kind of used it as the poster child to put out to other small niche industries that, Hey, y'all need to get your act together and start getting us some data like this because there's not a Chicago board of trade for crawfish or the mink industry or the goat and sheep industry. So, uh, to have, we're ahead of the game. We've done the work. We, we hope they work back with us and fine tune that. How much does that speak to what, grassroots government is really about louisiana farm bureau being a grassroots organization it really seems like this is a way in which the grassroots of of our organization the farmers the ranchers the people who go out and grow the food that we eat really could influence and and help form decisions at, in washington dc yeah this is this is you know grassroots government 101 that uh, without somebody like the Louisiana Farm Bureau and the Crawfish Advisory Committee to bring our crawfish growers together, uh, for them to take the time and when they're already, you know, in a terrible situation to stop and as leaders get together and say, well, what can we do about this? Uh, if you don't have that, then then you're left out in the cold. So you hear that compared to what I heard from other parts of the country on Wednesday, uh, the president of Montana Farm Bureau talked about the, the sheep and lamb industry uh, and how they're trying to get everybody together. And they have their own issues in the, the rural nature of Montana, but uh, it, it's just, it's great to see. It gives you a lot of encouragement and to hear though the man that's leading the charge uh, tell you straight to your face that, that was a, a big deal that that makes it worth doing. Well, you mentioned earlier kind of, and, and with the Montana example, the specialty crops, the smaller industry, the smaller commodities, maybe within the, uh, the bigger ag industry, what can those other groups be doing? Um, maybe that to be ready for, in case we do need to do another survey or if money does become available for somebody that doesn't have, like you mentioned, the Chicago border trade, on their side with the pricing and stuff like that, like specialty crops. Yeah. So, um, that was a, a charge from Mr. Northey on Wednesday was, uh, we want a national price. So for us crawfish, you know, our survey is going to fill the void there cause it's pretty much you know, farmed here, but for somebody like a strawberry grower or a sweet potato grower or, uh, onion farmer or, you know, th something that's grown in multiple states, there's not going to be a LSU Ag Center survey coming to you. But what you can do as an individual is make sure you keep good records. You may not have a lot of experience with going to FSA in your parish, but 
uh, they're not going to have a lot of experience with you coming to their office either. So the key thing there is data to have good records to show, be able to prove your loss because a lot of programs lately uh, come down to the county committee with FSA and then reviewing your case and seeing if you uh, meet the the data requirements to to qualify for these programs. So that was definitely a, a key point for from Mr. Northey, and, and we had the same from Secretary Purdue on Monday, a different call. Uh, everybody loves the Zoom right now, so we've had plenty of them. But uh, their, their thing was, is while, while we're writing these rules, uh, we hope to have it out. Their, their goal is to have it out in May, by, uh, by the end of May. So during that time, you need to be making sure you, you keep track. And just to, you know, to be clear on that, these programs, this CFAP program, uh, they've been pretty uh, adamant that it's only gonna to really cover realized losses in the first quarter of the year. So January, February, March, and maybe a little bit into April. So, and it's likely gonna pay 85% of the price loss that has been realized. So we don't know what those figures are, like what what is 85% of the price of strawberries? We don't know that yet, but we know that it's going to be 85% of X. So when you go into that office, you need to know what you had, what you sold, what you could have sold or had to plow under. Uh, they're not going to pay you the full value of, of that milk dumped or that strawberry patch plowed. But if you know that you had that production, then you're still, uh, you're still, better off than you would be without the records. To borrow a term from our good friend, Kyle McCann, assistant to the president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau, I know that livestock isn't necessarily your bailiwick, but the the folks involved, especially in the cattle industry, they're seeing uh, prices that are 30, even 50 cents a pound, less than the five-year average. Your poultry growers who really have no control over their own destiny and at a certain point no longer own the birds, no longer, well, actually, they don't own the birds at all until they're deceased. So tell me a little bit about what's in there for these guys. Yeah, that's, that's probably, I, I'm just speculating, but I think that's what's taken the, the toughest task on USDA is these are some of our biggest markets in this country when it comes to food supply, but yet they don't typically have a lot of government involvement in what they do. So, and they also don't have as easily discoverable prices. So all the economic brains at USDA are, are churning on this, but for the growers side of things, like he said, um, especially for our poultry, folks uh, who can't uh, have their normal that, that that process that integrated process is so fine-tuned and is so efficient that when you throw a little kink in that hose it backs up real quick so that leaves a lot of guys who have uh, multi-million dollar loans on uh, on chicken houses but don't have a revenue stream coming through there pecking around and eating uh, and getting bigger and getting sold, that leaves them in a really bad spot. So what we've done, what we're working to do, the same grassroots effort that we've, you know, that we do on any of these things is uh, we're looking at some programs that were uh, ready to go 
if avian influenza back in 2015 had gotten further out of hand and it actually was utilized in other parts of the country. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things in play. It's kept me plenty busy, but even, you know, folks all across the country are trying to figure this out. And, and we do that with the growers hand in hand. That's not me sitting here coming up with stuff. It's asking what would, what would help you. And that's things like delaying, you know, deferring payments and, um, trying to come up may not be this direct assistance like you see in CFAP. Uh, not, it might be, it won't be. Uh, poultry growers have been excluded from this because of their structure that you mentioned, Avery. But um, there's, there's other ways that we're going to try to get them some help. It's just going to take some time and some creativity. What is next or what should our grassroots listeners do right now? What's the most important thing they can be doing through all of this to, to be heard at the state level and the national level? We need to know, you know, immediately if you have issues and that could be, we've had things this week. I know um, Brian Bro put together a good piece that's going out to our membership today. The first thing on it is I can't get my H2A labor a driver's license because the driver's license uh, offices are closed across the state. We've heard that in a bunch of states. So it, it's, it's all, hands on deck to solve these issues uh, and and this isn't me saying that my name carries weight it's saying that Farm Bureau pops up when my name calls or when Brian's name or Ron or Kyle or whoever and so those those tend to get answered a little quicker and then when we have these calls with staff from all over the country that have the same issues they might already have the answer so just let us know what you're seeing uh, and don't feel like your problem's too small because that's the whole point of being the voice of ag. It's not uh, just us voicing back to, to you, the listener and the grower. It's y'all letting us know what we can do to, to help solve your problems. Well, I know that's really important for us to, to talk to our, our members and find out exactly what they need. Andy, anything else going on inside the Beltway that, uh, that our membership needs to know about? Well, I really appreciate my uh, producer, Carl, giving me the, the hot bulletin sound effect. Uh, so I will go back to that, uh, that piece that I touched on that day a few podcasts ago and give you a little insider note that we heard from a Louisiana congressional member today who I will leave nameless at this time, but that there's interest in that same program that Arkansas started on getting guardsmen uh, on the farms who have been furloughed and whatever their job may be uh, and, and connecting, bridging that gap. It's been utilized in Alabama, talked about in Mississippi and going in Arkansas. So uh, we got a member interested in Louisiana. Well, you mentioned you're going to leave that congressman <laughs> nameless, but you always like to give credit and uh, really give a shout out to, um, to someone out there that's, that's really been helping. And I've heard Bill Northey's name a few times. Is there anybody else that's really been just uh, a, a champion for Louisiana farmers and ag right now uh, or really been helping in this, in this situation right now? Well, you know, I gave some shout outs. We had a lot of help with crawfish from, from Abraham and, and Higgins. Uh, Abraham continues to be a champion like always, but um, the, the main thing that I can point out is one ask that we had this week uh, to all members was about, payment limits for this program. That's one thing I didn't mention is there is payment limits to this, uh, to this CFAP program. And 
our policy says we're not a big fan of payment limits and the public perception is is that helps the little farmer the family farmer and gets uh takes care of not giving tax dollars to big corporate america well it doesn't quite work that way so just the dialogue we had some we had to reach out from senator cassidy's office who didn't just take what we said and formulate their own opinion and go on they really uh they really came to us and want to have a discussion about it so that's that's all we ever asked for uh, but then also afbf staff uh, all your national commodity groups that you know what i do for a living everybody's working like crazy and doing really well at communicating and sharing information and, and that that all is to to help the farmer and, and our membership so that's what's important is all of us working together. And that's what it's all about, working for our farmers, our ranchers, our rural residents every day, because that's what the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation is all about. Uh, I thank you for listening to the Grassroots Government Podcast, Quarantine Edition yet again. Carl Wiggers, the producer. Andy Brown, the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And since Andy has the best physique of us three, I'm going to let him do the ending catchphrase. Well, we miss you, Joe. I'm going to flex for you while I do it. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu.